Welcome to Sketch Therapist. It's the podcast that improves your sketch life. I am Roshan Curie and in today's episode I'm going to share with you some more of my favourite sketching tips. So make yourself comfy, put the kettle on and listen in. Well, you seem to like the last week's episode with all those nice little tips. So I thought I'd share with you a few more today. And the first one is going to be really useful, especially if you live in Ireland, because it's about clouds. So the clouds that we see here, I don't know if it's the same all over the world, but I kind of got a feeling they're the same everywhere. But they tend to be white and fluffy on the top and a little bit sort of grey and um, threatening with rain on the bottom half. So what I like to do is make sure that the bit that's got the colour in it is, is very wet and then I drop in some very dilute, very dilute equals extremely pale watercolour. It could be a mixture of lots of different colours. It could be um, paints grey and maybe mineral violet or another purple colour or maybe a tiny little bit of burnt umber thrown into the mix or ultramarine or basically any of the blues with a touch of brown. Um, but the important thing is to make it super dilute so it's not like crazy dark and also to drop it onto wet, a wet surface, a surface that you've already added a little touch of water to. And then if you do that, you'll find that the paint spreads very softly and gives a lovely misty effect. But you also have to get the white fluffy top edge of the cloud. So what I like to do for that is I like to use something to draw a very fluffy edge, whether it's the skinny side of my nib of my pen or whether it's a very sharp pencil, it makes no difference. I mean, you could do it with your brush as well. But if you want that really delicate, lacy edge on the top side of a cloud, maybe use something to draw with to do that. And then when you've got that done, again, you'll need to put clean, clear water on the bit that's going to be blue and bring the water as close to the crinkly edges of the white, fluffy top side of the cloud as you possibly can. And only then you can drop your your um, your blue wash. So you make a big wash of whatever whatever colour you think would be nice for the blue sky. It could be phthalo blue, it could be sky blue, cerulean, uh, Prussian blue, ultramarine. There's loads of gorgeous blues. Really is down to you and what you think would look nice. But if you let that paint travel in amongst the little crevices of the clouds and the little fluffy crinkly bits, you'll get a really nice crisp, um, clean, fluffy edge. And a Really important to remember, don't let any water touch the white parts of the cloud, because if you do, the colour will just spread across the line, the edge of the cloud. And it won't be at all white and crisp and fluffy. It'll be soft. So try that and good luck with the clouds. Um, And it does take practice, really does make perfect. So tip number two is one that I really love. Sometimes the weather isn't on your side and sometimes you just really can't be bothered to get out of the car, you know. Or sometimes you're waiting for someone and you don't know what time they're going to arrive. So, you know, you have to sort of stay put in the car. So one thing I love to do is to park somewhere. If I if it doesn't matter where I park, I like to sort of drive around until I see a nice view in my rear view mirror. And then when I get a nice composition, I draw that. Um, I suppose the type of glass that's in a mirror, it it alters the view, doesn't it? I think a little bit to encompass more than 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 you might think. Um. So just drive around safely until you see a nice view in your rear view mirror. Um, and it's fun to try to try to draw the, the metal bit of the wing mirror as well. Sorry, did I say rear view mirror? I meant wing mirror. 
So yeah, sorry, scrap all that bit about rearview mirror. That's not what it, well, I suppose you could do with the rearview mirror as well, but you might just get a, a whole mirror full of rearview window. So yeah, your wing mirror is what I meant, wing mirror. Um, not a car person, okay? <laughs> sorry about that. So there you go. So um, wing mirror sketching, really, really good idea. And then if you get your composition right, you might even get something cool on the outside around the mirror as well. That could look really cool. But the nice thing about it as well is that as long as you've got somewhere to balance all your paints and stuff, um, you can be nice and cosy and comfortable in your car. Stick on a podcast, you know, it's great. It's great fun. So that's my recommendation to you when the weather isn't great or whether when you're waiting for someone is do a wing mirror sketch from your car. Tip number three, sketching at the beach. Well, there's nothing like sketching at the beach. You're surrounded by people who are in a different kind of headspace. They're always really, really chilled out. Even the ones who are being really annoying, throwing balls around, they're chilled out too. And in fact, they're so busy keeping an eye on the ball, they're not going to notice you doing a bit of sketching. So that's actually a very good opportunity to do a bit of um, action sketches because they're going to come back to the same position time and time again. Now, I get too annoyed by people playing ball. I don't know why. It's just me being curmudgeonly. There's no reason for it. There's no good reason for it. But... um. Paul Plain and me on the beach. Mm -mm. So I like to draw people sitting down. Um, most of all, I like to draw, um, I like to draw kind of heavy people, fat people, because I don't know. I just love those shapes. I love those those big fleshy shapes. Um, I was at the beach today with Paddy, my son. Um, it's gorgeous weather here in Ireland, really sunny and hot. And we drove down to Trocht, which is a, a sandy beach near the village of Canvara. And I found, well, I didn't find, they found themselves. But I, I, I managed to get a sketch in of um, a really, well, look, they're fat. Okay, fat family. There was, um, there were two women, one, uh, two, a younger woman and an older woman and a youngish man. And they were all absolutely huge. And they're all sitting in deck chairs in a row. And it made a gorgeous composition to have the three of them in a row like that. Um. And I don't think they noticed. Paddy was a bit self-conscious that I was drawing, you know, overweight people. But like, so what? You know, they don't know you're drawing them. Um, and you've got to be a bit subtle and a bit, uh, a bit, a bit discreet. But at the same time, you're you're drawing for your pleasure. They're never going to know. In fact, people probably draw me because I'm not exactly a slim, slim Jim. No, that's not the right one. Is it skinny, skinny Jane? I don't know. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm a salad dodger, but um, no, I don't dodge the salads. But um, neither do I dodge much else. So I'm not exactly as slim as I should be. More is the pity. So I'm sure there are people trying to discreetly draw me and all my fatness as well. But it's great fun, and it's a, like a free life drawing session. Um, and if you listen carefully, you can pick up some great snippets of conversation. Put them on the page in a little speech bubble. And it's great fun. I remember there's one in my Galway, um, an Urban Sketchers Galway book. I really like that. This little girl was going, uh, Mammy, Sean won't stop splashing me. And Mammy goes, Sean, if you splash her again, if you splash your sister again, you're going to have no phone for a week. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't have that to threaten my kids with when they were little. But I love little uh, snippets of conversation like that. And you can hear them really well on the beach as well. Because, you know, I don't know why. Something to do with sound travelling over the air. So there you go. That's your little tip about sketching people at the beach. Great fun. OK, tip number four. When you are drawing faces, you it might be worth your while figuring out a kind of a personal shortcut for faces. And I, I see a lot of people 
who have I, I see a lot of sketches um drawn by people who've clearly worked out a, a shortcut. So um you might you know the people who just either they haven't figured out how to draw noses from the front or they haven't figured out how to draw mouths or they haven't figured out how to draw hands or feet or whatever it is. But um if you can come up with a little shortcut for faces or any other part of the body you know it's really good because it can it can it can really help you get them done quickly without worrying too much so my shortcuts for faces are as anyone who looks at my work will know I like to draw dots for eyes um I was brought up on a diet of wall-to-wall tintin and everybody has dots for eyes or tiny little circles at the very largest so that's what I do and for some reason I don't know why but they can end up really really expressive so it's well worth it. Noses, I tend to draw just a very shallow little curve with a bit of a shadow underneath it. And that's my nose. Um, obviously, a profile's a bit different. Pointy nose and the profile sticks out a bit. And then for a mouth, I just draw a longer line and a shorter line. The longer line is the line of the mouth itself. And the shorter line is the hint of the shadow under the lower lip. So, um, So that's what I do for faces. And then you can add two little corners for the mouth and even the tiniest little line at the corners of the mouth will give you a smile or some kind of an expression but try to go a little bit sensitive with it with your lines I also tend to use my skinny side of my nib for my facial features because otherwise you just lose all the, the the expressivity I suppose if you throw on really heavy lines so find yourself a shortcut for faces that is my tip number four Tip number five. Okay, here's one that is very dear and close to my heart. Draw and paint on the spot. Draw and paint on the spot. I know people draw on the spot and to decide they've got a great urban sketch, which I'm sure they do, and then they go off and paint it from a photo. I don't think that's a good idea. I know it's a little inconvenient a lot of the times to paint and draw on the spot. And in fact, only today I was looking at a sketch I made of a mosaic floor in the National Museum of Archaeology in Dublin back in March when I was doing a workshop. Um, it's a really nice mosaic, but you know what? I was looking at the photo that I took of the fish mosaic at the time and I'm looking at the the drawing I did and I even made a little colour legend on the page so that I'd be able to do the colours accurately according to uh, what I saw at the time. So the colour legend, little boxes with names on the colours, that was done on the spot at the time. But I'm looking at the photos and I just can't be bothered. You know, you miss all the fun. As soon as you've, if you if you paint away from the location, not alone, if you, if, you, if you draw away from the location, obviously you're not going to be able to see the lines properly. But there's also a lot of information you're going to lose if you paint away from the location. You're not going to get the good light. You're not going to feel the shadows. Looking at the photos, you just won't get the brilliant light. I'm sorry, I don't care how good your camera is. It will not pick up the light of the natural scene that's in front of you in real life. But also, as I referred to there briefly, you miss all the fun. So why are you an urban sketcher in the first place? Because it's loads of crack. Stuff happens. It's great fun. So it's the same with um, painting. Not alone do you miss all the information that you'll get from painting on the spot, but you'll miss all the fun. So by all means, you know, do whatever you want to do, obviously. Paint from photos all you want. But if you have the choice, if time isn't against you if you can stay there a bit longer paint on the spot as well come up with a palette which I'll talk about another time come up with a small little limited color palette so that you don't have to whip out all your colors and 
keep your colors to a minimum so it's not complicated all right that is your first five sketches oh sorry not sketches tips that's your first five sketch tips so i'm going to uh come back to you with five more so don't go anywhere Okay, so let's get on with a few more sketching tips. Tip number six. This one's about brushes and it's about travel brushes more specifically. So I always use travel brushes when I am painting because I almost invariably paint away from my studio, which means I need my brushes to keep in nice condition. Um, so I use travel brushes and a travel brush is simply a brush that has a lid and folds. The handle snaps in half and the handly part becomes a lid. So you just reverse it and that's just the lid. And it keeps the keeps the brushes nice and smooth and pointy and they don't get wrecked and so on. So you have to have nice travel brushes and it can be a little bit hard to get really good quality. So I am going to give you a brand name that I really, really love. And the brand name is Rosemary and Co. And Rosemary is a, a very beautiful English lady and she runs a company um, making all these beautiful brushes and they do thousands of brushes for all kinds of applications, oil painters and watercolours and all kinds of stuff. But luckily for us, they also do travel brushes. And I have a few favourites. Um, I love my Rosemary or 13. OK, so that's a synthetic. Um, it's a blend of synthetic and natural fibres. Synthetic means it has a nice point and it keeps its nice springy point. And Natural means that it holds lots of liquid. So it's a great brush. It's a really good brush. It's probably size eight or something like that. Um, It's my go to all purpose brush and it has a nice point so you can do nice, delicate work. So another one of Rosemary's that I love is her Rigger, her Rigger travel brush, which is a really skinny, thin brush with a beautiful bend to the a beautiful springy bend to the to the to the hairs. And when I looked at the first, I thought, what? God, is that brush for? But it just shows I had zero imagination because a rigger was originally, I believe, used to do the rigging in ships. So you can imagine how fine a line would be needed for that. So a rigger is great for really fine lines, such as you might find in grassy verges, or perhaps if you were doing some fine grasses in a flower arrangement, or if you were doing the very fine little wavelets in the sea, in the shore approaching you. So I definitely would use it there. So that's your rigger. So it's really unbeatable when it comes to doing really fine, delicate lines. Um, I also love the Rosemary & Co. dagger, which is, it looks like it's been snipped at a trendy angle. So it's got a diagonal edge um, and it's great because you can use the pointy bit that's on one end, it's pointy and the other end, it's kind of slopey. So you can use the pointy bit for, again, really fine work. And then you can use the flat bit for filling in larger areas. Now it's a little bit like using a calligraphy pen in that it's like it's a bit unwieldy in some ways but once you get into it um, it's fine and I did bring it with me too on a sketching trip last year to France. I really didn't uh, mean to. I meant to grab my OR13 but there you go. I grabbed the wrong brush. I really must put labels on them. I grabbed the wrong brush and it was all I had and it turned out to be great so there you go. I really enjoyed using it. Now the other one I have from Rosemary and Co is a flat and I don't know I haven't quite got into the flat yet but I know I will though because I had the rigger and the dagger for years well not years but I had them for ages before I got into them so I'd say the flat is going to prove to be brilliant as well I must look it up actually the only other travel brush I use all the time well actually there's two there's another one by Rosemary & Co called a 
squirrel. I'm not actually I think it's called a round or a mop or something. I think it's called a mop. But anyway, it's made of squirrel hair and that's gorgeous. Being all natural, it holds loads of liquid. And I'll tell you why you need a brush that holds loads of liquid. If you're going to paint a nice smooth sky without any streaks or brush strokes on it, you need an all natural brush. And I happen to use a Kalinsky Sable beautiful brush um, by Roman Schmal, my favourite watercolour manufacturer. He also does these lovely brushes that are made of pure Kalinsky sable and I don't know what a Kalinsky sable is but I guess it's a sable from Kalinsky. I must look it up as well. I've got a bit of looking up to do today. I think it's like a mink anyway but the wonderful thing about the hairs is that they hold tons and tons of liquid and they are ideal for making a big sky or big plain of grass something like that a big field again what you'll do is throw clean water onto whatever plain you want to have a paint with a smooth finish and then you'll mix up your wash of whatever color it is you want and on it goes and you'll find that the paintbrush just doesn't run out because it's been it's it's been done with a with an all natural hair brush so get yourself treat yourself now you they're not cheap i mean what are they I suppose you probably pay about 30 euros, maybe more, 35 for my, uh, for the Kalinsky Sable, the likes of which I got from Roman. By the way, I still have a few in stock. So, and I, cause I was selling them for a while in my lovely urban sketching kits that are alas no more, but, um, I still do have a few Sable brushes if, and they're probably about again, an eight, but they feel bigger than an eight because they hold so much liquid. They don't have a sharp point. It is, the one I'm talking about is a round, but it doesn't have a sharp point, so you can't do anything too fine with them. Um, but you don't necessarily want to do fine things every time. So those are my tips for brushes. Oh, and by the way, I don't use anything smaller than an eight. So I don't use sixes, I don't use fours. And I certainly don't use anything with a zero in it. That's for the uh, botanical painters amongst us. Um, okay, so the next one tip is, this is a kind of a funny one. It's a little bit left of field. This is tip number seven. Um, I'm going to suggest that you have put together your tiny little kit. So you've got a little A6 sketchbook and you've got a little uh, tiny little Altoids tin. You know, those little tiny craft tins you can get. And you have got your paints in it and you're clipped that to the side of your sketchbook with one of those magnetic clips that you might have seen around the place Um they're really good, those little magnetic clips. You just go clack and on goes your little paint box to your sketchbook. And why go to all this effort, you might ask? Because it means that you can paint or sketch standing up anywhere at all. So that's how I painted that um, butcher's window full of fresh red meat. Of course, it helped that there was only a couple of colours, the reds and the oranges and the pinks of the meat in the window. But it's really fun to do that. Another place that you can do that is uh, standing up in a market. You might see something in a market that you really want to sketch and you just don't really have space or, you know, the wherewithal to sit down. You don't want to be in the way of people. You want to be able to move and suck in your tummy, <clears throat> salad dodging again, um, to let people go past. And uh, you need to be a little bit nimble. So definitely get yourself a miniature sketch kit. Again, I'll tell you how to put one together in another day's tip um, that is definitely coming down the line. So there you go. Um, what else would you do? Oh yeah, concerts would be a thing that you could do standing up if you had such a little setup. So stand with your kit and draw kind of unusual stuff. I think that's a really fun tip and uh, one that I intend to do myself in the next few days. So tip number eight is this. I would say that signs, signage and writing is are all, all part of the urban environment. So obviously 
shop signs are everywhere around you. Um, and, you know, all kinds of signs, but particularly shop signs I'm thinking of. And sometimes it's a bit of a drag to have to try and get your lettering just so for the for the for the signs. And it was John Short, a wonderful Scottish artist who get, he gives me loads of ideas, actually. He, he's brilliant for the tips. But anyway, he suggested um, using letter stamps to uh, to make the letters. It doesn't matter if it's not the same font. It, it looks great when you make your letters out of um, a letter stamp font and you can get them in loads of places. You can get them in arts and crafts shops. You can get them um, online, of course, just put in letter stamps and you'll rubber letter stamps. My favourite one is a box of vintage typewriter letter stamps. I love it. I love any excuse to start stamping vintage typewriter letters all over my page, really and truly. Yeah, I think I might do some this evening. I'm kind of in the mood now. Um, so there you go. And if you want to paint white letters on a dark background, well, just paint some white gouache onto your letters and just remember to stamp it a few times on some absorbent paper to get rid of the, the white or you'll forget the next time. So the next tip is tip number nine. And this one I'm going to call sunny day sketching. So if you are drawing people, say in a park or just sitting around the place somewhere, Get the shape of the person down, get the pose. But the next thing you do before you start painting them is use the skinny side of your nib to outline the contour of the shadow as it falls across their body. It's a really useful one and you'll see that the shadow continues from the top of um, the whatever the piece of the body is at the top, like the head or whatever. It's usually at the top of the body, yes. Um, but draw, continue your line right down until you reach the bit where they're sitting down, whether it's on a a park bench or whether it's on the grass or whatever it is. And then you've got your shadow. You've got your you've got the line of your shadow trapped, sort of frozen in aspic on the person's body. And then you can fill it in with, you know, Payne's grave if it's a white shirt or whatever, whatever color you think looks like a good color for the shadow. So um, and then if they move, it doesn't matter. You've got it down. So, yeah, happy days. So that's my tip number nine. Sunny day sketching. Get that skinny nib and get those shadows down before the your your subject gets a chance to move. All right, so sketch uh, tip number 10 is a little bit uh ordinary. It's just about paper. To find yourself a paper that you really like. And then, you know, that it's very important to, to try out a few different papers until you find one that really works for you. I'm extremely fussy when it comes to paper. And it has to be just right for me. So there's loads of big brands. Um, I'm not being sponsored by any of the paper manufacturers. More's the pity. So um, I'm not going to promote any of them, even though I do have my my favourites. Um, I really do. I've got strong favourites, one in particular. But um, what I love about a good paper for me is one that has a bit of texture. So you can see the lovely watercolour when you put it on. And also that it would be about maybe 180 to 220 grams per square meter in weight any less than about 180 and you're kind of losing the ability to throw on a little bit of water with your wash so I would say make sure it's you err on the side of being a little bit too heavy rather than too light so that you can throw on the watercolor without worrying too much so your cold pressed your CP your cold pressed tends to be have a much more rough texture um, not necessarily rough, but definitely textury, very watercolory texture. And your HBs, they're hot pressed and that's much smoother. And both can be absolutely fab. You just have to try them out and see which one you prefer. 
Um, I kind of waver sometimes between the two of them. And then there's another set of initials. Is it not or something like that? I can't even remember. Uh, I think not stands for not cold and not hot, but it seems a bit weird. You think I would have looked it up before I started telling you stuff. Um, but definitely I and I don't go for the cold press too much. The really strong texture because I like to draw with a fountain pen and I can, I find that the paper can um, the nib can snag in the paper a little bit. So I do try to go for something a little smoother a little smoother but with enough texture to show the watercolor to its best advantage that's what i like um i do love a sketchbook as opposed to loose sheets it means that it's a bit of a nuisance because you you know you're not going to rip them out and sell them but um that's what I'd, i like to use i like to use a sketchbook and i prefer to have a hardback sketchbook again i don't know why just because it's better protected so there you go. That's 10 tips for you. And I hope that they've been useful and I hope you get to practice some. Don't go away. I come from a very long line of artists on my mum's side. So I guess the 17th, maybe the 18th century. I don't know, something like that. My old brother knows everything about our family history. He's made it his business to look it all up and he's just so knowledgeable. So I really must get the lowdown from him one of these days. But what I do know is that my great grandmother was called Florence and Florence came over from Madeira. She was from a Madeira wine producing family called the Blandies. And she left Madeira along with her her. Uh, servant, her manservant, if you don't mind. I want a manservant. But she came over to, she went to England. She emigrated to England to get married. Um, I don't know, maybe the late 19th century, something like that. Maybe, maybe the early 20th century where she, so she got married and she moved into this beautiful, gorgeous, grand manor house. I guess the guy she married, my great grandfather, who, of whom I do not know. I don't know his name. He, um, he 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 came from a, a long line of bankers. So I don't know if the artist side was on Florence's before that. I guess it probably would have been. Anyway, she married into a family of bankers at this vast, beautiful house in um, a place called Nursling. I think it's called Nursling. I think that's how you pronounce it. Somewhere in southern England anyway. And she uh, had her kids there. She had her children. Um, and I guess she had plenty of leisure time being a lady of leisure, and she used her leisure time to make beautiful paintings of the house and gardens. So they hang, there's these gorgeous watercolour, pencil and watercolour drawings hang in my mum's house um, all over the place. They're just gorgeous. They show these um, really beautiful manor, this beautiful manor house made in dark red brick and a stunning garden, absolutely stunning garden real typical English country garden at the height of its beauty. It reminds me very much of Sissinghurst in um, Kent that I visited um, when I was holding a workshop there back in 2018. So really stunning watercolours, very, very well drawn, the colour very well handled, the shapes very well handled, the composition really strong as well. So that was Florence. Um, and then my grandmother was called Anne and Anne emigrated from England. So she lived in England until she was in her early 20s as well, I guess. And she eloped and went over to Canada where she ra ra raised her family. She had three three children, just like her mom, And she had a, two boys and a girl. And the girl is my mom. That's my mom, Cinny. And 
both Anne, my grandmother Anne and my mum Cinny, where my grandmother was and my mum is a very committed and serious artist, artists, the two of them. And my, my grandmother um, had beautiful oil paintings and watercolour paintings around the house. Very, very, very uh, accomplished and sort of very sophisticated in tone and composition and so on, often of the countryside of Ireland and really interesting compositions on my grandmother's part. Now, my mum is a very, very different painter to me. So she's absolutely all about watercolour, but she uses watercolour in a way that I don't. So I tend to draw shapes. I draw pictures with ink and pen and ink, and then I colour them in. So I don't really call myself a watercolourist, even though I use watercolour. I know that doesn't make any sense, but my mum is very much a watercolourist. She uses the paint in all kinds of ways that it just does cool stuff. It just does cool stuff. She she has misty backgrounds and soft bits and pieces and very, very atmospheric and very, um, very, yeah, that's a good word to describe it. My mum's paintings are always very atmospheric, whereas mine really aren't. Mine are much more what you see is what you get. They're kind of like, bam, you know. Um, so and my mum loves what I do and I love what my mum does and we, you know, get along famously. And to our, both of our great delights, uh, that doesn't make grammatical sense. But anyway, to our great delight, to our joint great delight, we are about to spend a week together. My mum is coming over from her home in County Wicklow on the East Coast, all the way over from the sea in Bray, where she lives. And she's coming over to this side of the country, to the sea in Galway, where I live. And we're going to spend a week going off sketching and painting. So I must remind her to bring absolutely everything she's going to need. Um, although she, as she says herself, she could stock an art shop. She has so much, so much, so much kit. We're going to venture all over the county of Galway. We're going to go to Connemara, set off nice and early and end up hopefully in the misty mountains of Connemara with the turquoise shore lapping against turquoise water of the Connemara uh, beaches, which are just, you have to see them to believe them. They're just these beautiful golden sand coves and beaches. And there's just so many, there's so many. And the water is turquoise and it's clear and clean. And there's always loads of little colourful shells everywhere. Um, the water may be clear and clean and the colour of aquamarine, but it's also absolutely freezing because we, I don't know why it's freezing. I'm not a oceanographer but it's absolutely freezing much much colder than the water is here in South Galway in fact I was in that very sea today and it wasn't a bit cold it was lovely it was lovely lots of little crabs scuttling around at my feet through the clear water I mean it was really deep um it was really deep I was up to I don't know above my waist way way deeper than that and I could still see the the little crabs um scuttling around anyway I digress so I guess we'll probably end up drawing crabs to my mum and I and we're going to visit the Burren so the Burren is a national park and it's quite close to where I live and it's absolutely stunning as well it's a limestone bedrock so a little bit different from the granite of Connemara and the uh, metamorphic rock of Connemara so the Connemara uh, geology is 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 very it's very crazy and messed up but it's quite the opposite where I live here in South Galway it's much more um, just flat, flat beds of limestone, which are lovely to paint. And the burn itself is gorgeous. It's just so beautiful. It's really natural wild place. It's got, I don't know if they're wild or feral, but anyway, it's got big hairy goats wandering around. 
Um, maybe we'll be able to draw some of them if we see one. Um, it's got at least one stoat because I've seen a stoat. Um, could it be the Pine Martin, actually? I don't know. Anyway, uh, what else has it got? Oh, wonderful wildflowers. It's got so many different species of orchid and it has wild roses and wild, I don't know, thyme growing on the rocks. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So we're going to do a bit of that and we're going to find some gorgeous locations closer to home. We are spoiled for beautiful scenery around here. Oh, I'm going to take her to the beach, actually, and tell her that we're going for a life drawing class because that's what I was doing today. I was drawing the, uh, I mentioned that earlier, actually, in the episode, just uh, a little bit of an update on me drawing um, heavy people (laughs) and being discreet about it. I was saying this at the dinner table this evening and uh, I told them that, you know, people are probably trying to discreetly draw me in turn. You know, look at that fat woman. I'm going to draw her. But my son, Paddy, said, Mom, I don't think so. And I said, what? What? I'm I'm sure they would be. And he said, no, 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 Mom. They've got much bigger game <laughs> to, to, to hunt down. So, uh, yeah, they've got the big game to get. And uh, maybe I'm I'm not quite big game just yet. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to draw people on the beach and draw mountains in Connemara, I hope. Sketch mountains in Connemara. Wildflowers in the burn. Uh, rocky limestone outcrops in the burn. And hopefully beautiful blue skies overhead at all times. So um, I'll... Try and put my thinking cap on for you when I'm there and try and scoop up little tips for making things a little bit easier as and when I am presented with each of my sketching challenges. So check back in and hopefully I'll have something good for you. that brings us to an end of this episode of Sketch Therapist with me, Roisin Curie. I only remembered yesterday that I forgot to say my name in every single episode so far. So that's me, Roisin. I'm Roisin, Roisin Curie. Um, I am running another watercolour sketching for beginners course. It's going to take place from the 5th, the 5th to the 9th of September, 5th to the 9th of September of 2022. And it's going to take place from 2 to 3.30 every day. That's Irish time, which is GMT plus one. GMT plus one. So um, Irish time is the same as uh, UK time. Um, and then add on an hour and you've got European time, CET. And I don't know what time that makes it in the various parts of Asia, but it's sometime in the evening. And I do know that it's nine o'clock in the morning on the east coast of the United States. So hopefully wherever you live either the time will suit you or if you don't mind not going to the live you'll get the recording anyway now it's going to be the same course as I've just finished running um, over the last week so unless you want to take the exact same course again they give the next one a miss but this one went down I might tweak a few things here and there but it's going to be essentially the same but this one went down an absolute treat and it's only 25 euros for all five lessons each one is 90 minutes long and I tell you what one of my students said last week she said I've succeeded where others have failed she said you finally made a watercolorist out of me which was lovely which was really really lovely so hopefully um Hopefully, if you really, really want to take up watercolour, you might think of coming to my classes. I am very simple and straightforward the way I tell you how to do everything. Like it's 
really simple and straightforward. I explain everything that you could possibly need to know. And I tell you all the material you could buy and the stuff that you could buy if you want to go further. And it's all great fun. And it's all designed to get you out sketching and getting all that lovely sketch therapy um, into you. So, and especially to do it in early September while the weather is still nice and you can still get a chance to do some nice work. So look, at, I'll leave it at that. If you want to book the course, it is available now on my website, roisincure.com or O-I-S-I-N-C-U-R-E.com. And then you will see it under the heading live classes. So um, put your name down, put your name down. You, you've, you've nothing to lose and everything to gain. And with that, guys, I want to thank you very much for listening. And I look forward to another episode of Sketch Therapist with you. And in the meantime, happy sketching. Just a quick little update to the last bit where I said the time of the next watercolour sketching for beginners course is going to be at two o'clock in the afternoon, Irish stroke UK time. Um for 90 minutes so that would mean it would be over at 3 30 which is as i said nine in the morning till 10 30 in the eastern seaboard if that's what you call it of the us so i've decided to put it back by an hour so uh put it back put it forward put it forward put it forward put it forward by an hour so i'm going to have it at one in the afternoon irish time so one to two thirty and the reason i want to do that is because i remember very well what it was like to finally having handled kids all summer with terrible Irish weather to finally get them back into school and be able to breathe a sigh of relief and have a little bit of time for myself. So I'm thinking of the of the mums um, who may just be finally breathing a sigh of relief. And this is for them. This is for them. So I know it does mean if you're on the eastern um, coast of the US, getting up at the un- ungodly time, getting up and ready, actually, for eight in the morning. So um, I hope that's not crazy early for you, but you can always do the recording if you feel like having a little lion. So, yeah, it's on my website, Um, You can book any time you like. 25 euros for five days. A little holiday camp just for you. <laughs>